This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Immigration was under control. It was under control under President Trump. The Remain in Mexico policy, it was working. Then they got rid of it. Well, guess what? (laughs) It's coming back. The Biden administration, they're now going back. They're adopting it all over again. A judge applied a little bit of pressure. Here's Joe Biden, uh, a couple of weeks after he became president, signing away all those great executive orders, canceling them, uh, all those policies that were working. Now, He didn't care whether they were working or not. He just thought that they were Trump policies and they had to go because it was Trump. And you saw the results. We all saw the results. It was absolutely terrible. The policy makes such sense. Remain in Mexico while you're undergoing the process instead of hanging around in, I don't know, Idaho. It makes sense. Much better accountability, much better tracking and fewer scenes like this at the border. This is what Donald Trump was all about. promised to do things like this, and he actually did it. We would have been better off right now had he still been president on so many fronts, immigration, also COVID. You know, more people have died this year than last year from COVID, something that the fake news doesn't talk about very much, but it's true. You know, yesterday in the middle of the day, Dr. Fauci had something to say from the White House about the new Omicron, Omega, whatever the new variant is. He wanted to... And nobody listened. Now, the fake news, they went crazy. All the networks took it live because, well, they love Fauci. Why do they love Fauci? Because they know and we know there was friction. There was trouble between him and Trump. He had all kinds of ways of signaling that. And that's one of the reasons why Biden likes him so much, because he was essentially uh, a foe of Trump. Let's face it. All right. We're getting some more insight from what happened in the Trump White House while they were fighting COVID, a new book by Dr. Scott Atlas. Scott Atlas came to the White House to lend his expertise, a healthcare policy expert from Stanford University, a medical doctor. He brought immense skill, immense training and wisdom and expertise and the fake news and the swamp. They hated him for it. The head of the CDC expressing concerns about uh, Dr. Scott Atlas, another doctor on the task force, um, saying that he's sharing misleading information about the virus with the president. Clearly, uh, some of the things that Dr. Atlas has said is concerning to many in the public health community. He's parroting Scott Atlas. That's Scott Atlas's tune, herd immunity. Who went with him to California? Scott Atlas. That's who has his ear now. Herd immunity? How about a herd mentality? That's what you're seeing there. A herd mentality. You can only think this way, our way, about the coronavirus. Thank God Donald Trump was open to what they call alternate streams of data. From the book, please. It goes like this. Public health officials and government leaders keep using wildly inaccurate projections that instill fear and alarm the public 
And when they're wrong, they fail to acknowledge this fact. We've seen that a million times. What else? A COVID testing requirement has been imposed in schools and university campuses, grossly violating ethical standards, including the CDC's own statement only months ago in late 2020 that it is both unethical and illegal to test someone who doesn't want to be tested, including students whose parents or guardians do not want them to be tested. You see why he did not fit in in this swamp? And they just tried to destroy him. They didn't, but boy, did they try. Unfortunately, when somebody like Scott says it's absurd, it makes you wonder what he's talking about. And every clinician has told you that it's the wrong thing to do, except Dr. Scott Atlas. And I will just tell people that the shift to Atlas as this guy who has no particular pedigree. That's Scott Atlas, the science advisor to the president. I put science in quotation marks, so I'm not sure what science he follows. Scott Atlas has no legitimate background to be opining on a pandemic. He's a radiologist. Okay. Um, did, did Chris Cuomo say something about pedigree? The whole thing is ridiculous. You know, I'm tough on Fauci. You're probably very critical of Fauci because we have seen Fauci's mistakes. They're basing this criticism off of rumor and innuendo, things that those nasty White House reporters have heard through the grapevine, not what they have actually seen. And talk about a lack of pedigree. Look, I know what I know. I know I don't know a lot. And I listen. They don't. They're always telling you that they know about medicine. They know about they don't. And uh, I think that's pretty awful, right? So look, uh, we have to help uh, Dr. Atlas sell this book, all right? I already bought my copy. Let's see. Uh, I got it on, where did I get it? Amazon. A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. I'm only about a chapter or two into it so far. And here's what I love. You know, the fake news, they don't want to support this book. They only like the books that, well, you know, uh, their favorite people write, okay? Here's the beauty, though. We don't need Oprah anymore to make a book a bestseller. Just word of mouth and a genuine curiosity to find out what's really happening can do that. I'm happy to report that Miranda Devine's book, who wrote Laptop from Hell, is uh, uh, between number one and number two on the Amazon bestseller list. That's fantastic because, you know, they're not inviting her on the Today Show to talk about this stuff. It's just... The word is getting out. The word is getting out. Now, back to Dr. Atlas. I think he's a really good man who wanted to help the country. And he might regret it. I hope he doesn't. Well, I'm going to find out in the book. He came on Newsmax a couple of months ago, and I asked him about that. Here's what he said. How do you feel after your experience in Washington? Well, I'm glad I'm not in Washington, I could tell you that. Um, you know, Washington and the, the news, I wouldn't say it's fake. I would say there's a bunch of vicious liars in the news. Uh, and, you know, that's sad. The country, uh, the media really is a disaster in many ways. And they they say vicious, filth, you know, complete lies, and then they keep repeating them. And then those lies are taken as fact. And, you know, it's it's sad. I was naive. I went to Washington because the president asked me to help in the biggest crisis in a century. I'm a health policy expert. I was asked to help in health care policy. 
uh, because there was no one on the task force in healthcare policy, frankly. Uh, but I was asked to be an advisor to the president to help the country. I would have helped if President Obama would have asked me, if President Biden would have asked me, if President Clinton would have asked me. That wasn't the issue. I didn't realize that everyone there uh, was political, was out for either political motives or preserving their own image and their own influence. You know, so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a despicable kind of place, but I think we all know that. It's very sad. Uh, you know, if I would have known that, I, I'm not sure what I would have done when I was asked. Well, I'm still glad he went, and um, I'm enjoying his book so far. We'll be right back. Alec Baldwin is uh, sitting down with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, I thought it was pretty apparent and clear that he shot that girl. Now he's saying he didn't. Be right back. Is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> the fake news favorite, Alec Baldwin, in a lot of trouble. Um, he shot a girl on that movie set, although it seems like now he's saying he didn't shoot her. I, Anyway, the big interview tonight with uh, the fake news guy, George Stephanopoulos. They're treating it like it's uh, a pretty big deal. I guess it is. Um, maybe. Take a look. She was someone who was loved by everyone who worked with and liked by everyone who worked with and admired. I mean, even now, I find it hard to believe that. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem real to me. You haven't said much in public since that tragic accident. Why speak out now? I think the big question, and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? How do you respond to actors like George Clooney who say that every time they were handed a gun, they checked it themselves? Your emotions are so clearly so right there on the surface. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? You said you're not a victim, but is this the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Yes. Cheesy, like a pay-per-view event, movie of the week. And by the way, Stephanopoulos is talking for about three quarters of it, it seems like to me. And uh, Stephanopoulos, you see how he sits back all the time? I mean, I, there's something about him I've never liked. Uh, let's see. Oh, he did not pull the trigger. Did you hear this? Huh? It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. I think that's the lawyer talking. I think that's the lawyers talking, all right? Because uh, right after this happened, they tracked down Alec Baldwin in New England when he wasn't making fun of President Trump. That doesn't seem so funny anymore. Do you remember this? Ali, what's the current state of what's going on with the case? I'm not allowed to make any comments because it's an ongoing investigation. I've been ordered by the sheriff's department in Santa Fe. I can't answer any questions about the investigation. All right. I, I think the thing he could have said and would have said, if it were true, I didn't pull the trigger. Somebody else did. It wasn't me. The gun was a... I, I think that's the first thing you say if you're somebody like Alec Baldwin. Who knows? We'll see tonight, I guess. All right. Also this, uh, do you remember 
Black Lives Matter year, summer, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of here to stay. A lot of, well, white people jumped on board. A lot of virtue signaling. I saw it at a coffee shop that I went to, and all of a sudden they just put Black Lives Matter signs and we support, we support, we support. I don't think they knew what they were supporting because if you look at the Black Lives Matter ideology, parts of it are pretty ugly, um, anti-American, anti-family, but they went all in because it was fashionable. Well, Black Lives Matter is not returning the favor. It's Christmas time, a lot of people going shopping, small businesses are selling stuff, big businesses. Black Lives Matter put out a statement saying, uh, don't shop at white-owned businesses, shop at black-owned businesses. Uh, calling out white supremacy, that, uh, you, let's see, we're dreaming of a black Christmas, that means no spending with white companies from November 26th to January 1st, 2022. Wow, huh? What? Talk about racism. Talk about racism. I'd like to know what Mitt Romney has to say about this. One of those fools who jumped on board the Black Lives Matter nonsense without even thinking. It just sounded great, so, hey, I don't want any trouble here. I'll join the mob, sure. Hey, Senator, why is it important for you to be out here today? We need a voice against racism. We need many voices against racism and against brutality. We need to stand up and say that black lives matter. What a chump. What a chump. We're all against racism, all right? And that's why I'm not affiliated with the Black Lives Matter organization or movement, all right? He did it because it was the thing to do. And by the way, the fact that there are churches, churches that still have these silly banners on because... Maybe they believe uh, the nonsense. I don't think they do. I don't think they've actually looked at the website, looked at the history of this organization and the corruption of its leadership. The ideology, Black Lives Matter, at first glance, may sound great, but no, it's a corrosive and corrupt ideology. Remember, they are against the nuclear family. Mother, father, right? They don't like that. And there's a hell of a lot of transgender emphasis within the Black Lives Matter movement. Anyway, kind of strange. So when there's so much focus on the outside, what people look like, what ethnicity or race they are, I think it's a problem. And it really, long term, it can be kind of heartbreaking. So there's this person that I actually like. We have nothing in common, uh, ideologically or otherwise, probably. Actually, we have a few things in common. Her name is Simone Sanders. And she was working for Kamala Harris as the chief spokesperson. And, uh, well, she's leaving by the end of the year. Look, nobody apparently likes working for Kamala Harris. It sounds like it's a very, very toxic uh, situation in there. So uh, why do I bring this up? She was hired back when Joe, they sat him down before he launched his campaign. They said, Joe, you have too many white people around you. You've got to uh, diversify. You've got to hire some people of color. And he's like, on it. Show me who I should hire. And they told him you should hire Simone Sanders. She was qualified. I mean, not overly qualified. Her resume, very young. And, but these are the kinds of people who get involved in campaigns. And, you know, you have them by your side. She was qualified. But Joe Biden, uh, <laughs> according to the book, Lucky, had to basically spend hours with her convincing her that he was worthy of her attention, of her time. 
two-term sitting vice president, he basically is being interviewed by her. That's the world we're living in now. He gives her a great big tour of the house and just is imploring her, you got to come work for me, and she's still skeptical. Anyway, she holds all the cards. She holds all the cards, back then at least. So here's a little bit more on why I like Simone Sanders and why I feel like she's making a mistake. She put a viral video out earlier this year, you know, just kind of get to know her. Here's what happened. Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, we have a meeting with some tribal leaders okay. in the vice president's ceremonial office, and I need some more lemonade. All right, and what do you do here at the White House? I have the pleasure of serving as a senior advisor and chief spokesperson for Vice President Kamala Harris. All right, so far so good. I like it. Keep going. Growing up, I used to watch the news all the time. As a teenager, I know, very weird. And uh, I used to think when sitting there watching the news, why are they saying it like this? Strange thing to think, and I often thought it around politics. And then I realized later on that politics isn't anything but a bunch of people who get in a room and decide what the messages are, and then they tell a bunch of other people how to communicate those messages through events, through press, through all kinds of things. All right, well, so the, the, the latter part about Democrat, the, politics is just saying what you're going to do, just saying stuff, saying stuff. A lot of Democrats actually think that's what politics is. But earlier she said when she was a kid, she really liked the news, and that was kind of weird. And you know what? When you're a kid, back when she was growing up and back when I was growing up, it was weird to be a kid and watch the news. I did it too. I read the newspaper in the library at school during lunch. I like her for that. But this is where it takes, I think, an unnecessary turn. Uh, I realize the people in that room didn't look like me, okay? Not a lot of them, at least. They weren't young. They weren't bald black girls from Nebraska. They weren't from the Midwest. So that's what got me interested in politics. And now I work at the White House. Didn't look like me. I can't stand that phrase, didn't look like me. Um, nobody looks like anybody, all right? And we're all... <laughs> We're all human beings. That's good enough. You know, I, does that make sense? I just wish that people would focus more on what's the, on the inside and not what's on the outside. And nobody looks exactly, everybody's different, right? Don't you agree? I hope so. Listen, stand by. Joe Biden has been confessing some very odd things in public for years. Be right back. have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. On a Friday night in 2005, Joe Biden went to a great big political banquet in South Carolina. And it's something to behold. Boy, oh boy, did he have a great time. And we're having a pretty good time <laughs> analyzing the videotape. You can see Hunter is with him and everybody is just delighted, almost too delighted. Take a look. Senator Biden, I want to welcome you and your son, Hunter. And those of you who are interested in knowing about his resume, I want you to go home and visit his website. <laughs> because I'm not going to talk to you tonight about his resume. I don't get the joke. I don't get that joke. Things were different in 2005. I don't know. Go home and look at the website. Uh, but there's more. 
Thank you, Senator, for that inspirational message. And you honor us, and Hunter, you as well. We really appreciate both of you coming to South Carolina tonight. It's a, it's a magical evening. Whoa, magical? I saw the whole tape. Nothing magical about this, but Joe is totally delighted. He and Hunter work the room. Joe's got a million-watt smile, and Hunter, it's very peculiar, take a look, please, is just lurking in the background every step of the way. And I'm like, what's he doing there? Okay, well, Greg, don't be just a jerk. He's hanging around with his father. Well, no, it doesn't make sense. It's in South Carolina. Hunter's got three kids in Delaware. He's married. Uh, a Friday night, what's he doing? Aha! He's doing business. We got to show you this again. This is how they work. Well, maybe we can work something out, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. yeah that's what we'll do. Well, Hunter was just telling well, about his firm in Washington. Yeah. Law firm. Yeah. Do you have a car, Bonnie? I do. I, I don't, but I'll give you my... Uh, well, let me give you my yeah, car. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll give, I, I gave them all away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a wonderful speech. Thank you, Michael. That was Bo who wrote that. Are you, you're there from the core of what I wrote there. Is the, and your dad, and I thought... We'll talk business over here. We'll be over here talking business. Joe can continue. Anyway, I love it. We put the words down. We showed it last night as well. Oh, by the way, yeah, Joe has always been a touchy guy until he was ultimately called out for it. Look at what he does right in front of this woman's husband. Two hands, two handshake, two hands in the handshake for about 15 seconds. That's weird. I'm sorry. I can't stand shaking hands for 15. That's long. And then... He grabs her, both hands, on either side of her body. That is a little bit much, Joe. <sighs> Even back then, by the way, before this whole Me Too, that was way too much. Uh, we did find another clip of Joe actually telling the truth. Um, he was quite candid, and this is truthful. Joe Biden being truthful. Lobbyists aren't bad people. Special interest groups are not bad people. But guess what? They're corrosive. People who accept the money from them aren't bad people, but it's human nature. You go out, Lynn, and bundle $250,000 for me, all legal, and then you call me after I'm elected and say, Joe, I'd like to come and talk to you about something. <laughs> you didn't buy me, but it's human nature. You helped me. I'm going to say, sure, Lynn, come on in. Just like, by the way, if I turn around and I'm elected President of the United States of America, and you call me and say, Joe, I want to come and see you. I'm going to see you. You helped me. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. That's the swamp. And how about somebody who didn't raise money for him? What's he going to say to that guy? We know. Coming up, we're going to talk more about this racist ban on white businesses for the holidays that Black Lives Matter came up with. Congressman Burgess Owens will be here. Also, Mark Simone. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. So, last year during Black Lives Summer, Fall and Winter, and even to today, a lot of people have put Black Lives Matter banners, paraphernalia, in the front of their business. A lot of white people have done this. 
I think, quite frankly, black, white. If you support Black Lives Matter, you might be ignorant of what this group really stands for. But it's interesting that with all that support, especially from white people, Black Lives Matter now officially is turning their backs on a lot of these small businesses, white-owned businesses. They got this thing called uh, Black Christmas. We're dreaming of a Black Christmas. That means no spending with white companies from November 26th of this year to January 1st of 2022. Seems kind of uh, racist to me. Uh, I want to bring in our panel. We've got a great panel. We have Congressman Burgess Owens with us once again, Republican of Utah, member of the House Judiciary Committee, and Mark Simone, iHeartRadio talk show host. Welcome to you both. Um, gentlemen, this seems to me a bit racist, and uh, I feel like a lot of people may have been duped last year. Congressman Owens, what do you think? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, if you talk about being rich, um, these guys spent an entire summer destroying black businesses, uh, hundreds of businesses, thousands of black lives. Uh, I think we lost about 20 black lives during this peaceful summer. Uh, and now they're going after white businesses. Uh, you have to understand what, what these people are all about. It's all about Marxism. And we have to be honest with you, they don't like business, period. So uh, it's a wake up. I think a lot of people are realizing that they, they were duped. And uh, there's nothing ever good when you lean toward racism and racist. I don't care what color they are. You get into, go into a place of darkness and uh, they're showing themselves of who they are. They're racist. And you're right. I forgot that BLM is a socialist movement. You can look on their website. It is a socialist oriented uh, ideology. Mark Simone, please weigh in. Uh, let me disagree with you. You said it's a bit racist. It's totally <laughs> racist. You couldn't get more racist. You're telling people to boycott uh, a race. I just saw a great tweet. I just retweeted uh, the great Thomas Sowell. He said, years from now, historians will look back on this, trying to figure out why, he says, so many organized groups of strident jackasses were able to lead everybody else around and why normal people kept silent on all of this. You know, this Black Lives Matter has massive corporate donors. Why aren't they speaking out? Why, these companies shouldn't be standing for this racism right now. It is wild. Now, look, businesses, I, it was very fashionable. These, some of these mom and pop shops, you can look at the footage. They wanted to do the right thing. That's what culture was telling them. You got to support Black Lives Matter. That's the right thing to do. I disagree. We disagree. But now churches, a lot of churches throw up Black Lives Matter signs. And guess what? They're still there. You can see church after church after church, they uh, put these things out front. Hey, we're, that's St. John's Chapel right from the White House. That's still there. And I believe Congressman Burgess, uh, Burgess Owens, there's not, uh, this is not a holy group. This is not a God-oriented group, Black Lives Matter. No, no. And, and that's, that's where uh, the, I think the awareness is now becoming. Understand what Marxism is all about. They hate God, they hate the family, and, and, and they hate the free market. So, no, they want to see uh, uh, this, uh, our society, our, our culture, uh, go, have a, a nosedive. Uh, but again, I think America's waking up. At the end of the day, uh, we don't drift toward the darkness we see with these kind of people. And, um, and if it was not for white businesses and white corporate people, these people couldn't rub, rub two pennies together. Uh, and by the way, let me just say this. The worst thing I can say to Black Lives Matter is, is to, to, to say Merry Christmas. Have a good holiday. They would, they, 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 it truly drives them nuts to think that we could be a happy, a prosperous, harmonious uh, society because that's not what they're after. Uh, 
Senator Romney, by the way, uh, <laughs> you know, he was one. Of, he should he should, I guess he should have known better. But he, I, I saw those co coffee shop kids jumping in. But he jumped in as well. This is last summer. Hey, Senator, why is it important for you to be out here today? We need a voice against racism. We need many voices against racism and against brutality. We need to stand up and say that black lives matter. All right. Again, if you want to be against racism, and we are all against racism, you shouldn't be for Black Lives Matter. But, Mark, your thoughts on Mitt Romney just kind of joining the mob there? Uh, as soon as you said Mitt Romney, I just turned my earphone off. I just stopped listening. He is the most pandering, desperate guy. I mean, he's a Republican. He's a Democrat. He's white. He's black. He's, you know what he is. He, he's just a weather vane, just blowing in the wind. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. He's a, the silliest guy in the world. Him and Fauci, they just uh, go whatever, whatever way suits them. Uh, they have no principles, no backbone, nothing. Yeah, no, uh, you, you nailed it once again, Mark. Uh, uh, Congressman, uh, you know, this laptop, Hunter's laptop, it should have turned the campaign upside down. It didn't. It was uh, kicked off of social media. There is now a book, uh, Laptop from Hell. Um, this is not your uh, area of expertise, I'm sure, Hunter's comings and goings, but it does suggest a level of potential corruption in the Biden White House. Do you sense any momentum to officially tackle this issue? I, I know that there is supposed to be some investigation happening run out of Baltimore. I don't have a lot of confidence. I'm sorry, you say there's going to something's going to happen. I think over time it will. I mean, you have to understand uh, we can't can't hide uh, this type of stuff for so, so long. American people uh, continue to be uh, curious. Let me just say this real quick before we leave the other topic. Uh, what, what I want, I think, Americans who's listening to this program to understand, we need to learn our history. The reason we had those that summer of peace where you had white people walking with black racists is because we, we, we have to, cannot allow us to be apologetic about our, our past. We have to be proud of who we are, proud of where we've come from. And together, we've done some remarkable things. So in that, in that vein, stop apologizing, white Americans. And for black Americans, stop asking for apologies. We have too, we've done too much together to, to be at that point. In terms of Biden, it's all going to come out. Uh, I'm, I have faith in American people. I have faith in our desire to find truth. And eventually, we're going to pick the right kind of people in office that will seek the truth and will get accountability. So just hang in there, my friends. It's happening. I see, I see it going into 2022 as a, a nice little bellwether time to, to, to make this thing happen. All right, all right. You know, I, I, when I see Joe Biden walking around, um, let's face it, you know, he's not in great health probably. And uh, actually, in the laptop, he's joking with Dr. Keith Ablo. Hunter is about his father having dementia. Not very nice, but they're laughing at him. He doesn't seem to be having a good time. I feel like he knows that this is hanging over his head, Mark. I feel like he knows that he's in trouble. He's caught. Uh, I don't know. And he might think he's not safe for much longer. Who knows? What do you think's going on? He thinks he's safe because he's got a Congress that will never touch this. He's got an attorney general uh, who's you, know, you can't trust to do anything. He's weaponized all of law enforcement. Here's the miscalculation, though. They'll lose the midterms in a big way next year, and the Republicans will set up a commission to investigate this. If he was smart, he'd have the Democrats do it now, so it's tougher for the Republicans to do it. Uh, finally, uh, Congressman Burgess Owens, you know, I talk to people every day here. Uh, we all do. And I talk to a lot of friends and they're very frustrated. They say they feel like they can't 
do anything about the direction of the country. And the midterms are along. They, of course, can vote. What would you suggest? You went out and ran for office. Uh, yeah. What would what are some things that people can do if they're frustrated <laughs> right now? First of all, I've never been more excited about our future in our country than I am today, because to that point, American people are waking up. There's nothing more powerful when people, uh, when we the people start being engaged, educated, and come off the sideline and get on the field of action. And we're seeing that across the board, black, white, Hispanic. We're, this has been such a disastrous uh, presidency that everyone is now talking together about how terrible it is and what we need to get to, to get a change. So it's out of contrast comes good things, particularly in this country, when we know that we can have something to do with it. So 2022 is our, is our first change, 2024 is going to be the next. And believe me, we the people will start now to, to, to ride the ship and get us back to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I'm really, excited, really excited, excited about that. I love it. I love it. Uh, good stuff. Hey, I have a small suggestion to people out there. I know it leans left. Get on Twitter, make your voices heard. And if you run a business out there, don't be afraid of the mob. They always run off to something else. Some business leaders, they're so terrified of being called out on social media. You got to toughen up. I mean, they call they call all of us horrible things all the time. It doesn't matter. You'll get through it. It's actually kind of Greg, fun. Can I, can, I, can I say this, Greg, real quickly? My dad taught me how to deal with bullies when I was a kid in football. He says, what you do is you run at them as fast as you can and hit them as hard as you can. They they don't like pain. So this 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 come back together like we normally do, guys. We need to fight these guys and, and believe me, they will they will drift off into, into into darkness if we do that. So that's what we do best. All right, all right. Well, I'll take that uh, running at the. I'll 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 tweet right back at him. I, I, we can't we can't punch okay. anybody out. We uh, we get it though. Your dad was a very wise man. Congressman Owens, thank you. Mark Simone, thank you. Check him out on iHeartRadio. We'll be right back. Remember that great plan Donald Trump had, remain in Mexico, citizenship pending? You can't just run around America as a non-citizen? Well, uh, Joe Biden finally figured out that's a pretty good idea. Now, the first thing he did when he got to office was reverse every good idea Donald Trump had. And now that the reality of the mess at the border has set in, finally, finally, Uh, They're reinstating this uh, remain in Mexico policy. Now, he was also encouraged by a federal judge to do this, and they worked out a deal with Mexico, and that's what's going to happen. Hey, if President Trump had remained in office, he wouldn't have had any of these problems. Uh, That's true. So I want to bring in Brandon Judd, National Border Patrol Council President. Brandon, welcome back. This is uh, quite the reversal from the Biden team. It is a reversal, but let me be clear. None of our agents, myself included, have heard that they're in fact going to reinstate this program yet. So no programs, no policies, um, nothing has come down to the agents saying, this is how we're going to implement this, this is what we're going to do. So I still have a great deal of skepticism on whether or not this administration is in fact going to properly um, re-implement this program and that it's going to work the way it did under President Trump. I'm hoping that it's going to, but we have no reason to believe that it is. Well, that sounds a lot like the Biden administration. Leak it to the fake news first and uh, tell the guys who actually have to make it happen. Tell them later or they'll figure it out for themselves. So 
the word is they're going to formally, uh, I mean, they'll have some sort of an announcement tomorrow afternoon. You know, it's late in the week, Friday, bury it, that kind of thing. I mean, are you, you, you really do think, though, that this could all fall apart? Uh, you, you're, you're, are you optimistic or what? Well, I'm always going to be optimistic. I'm always looking for the best. I want the border secured. Our agents want the border secured. The American public, your viewers, want the border secured. We all want that. So, of course, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm just, I just have to look at the way this administration has run the border into the ground to this point, and, and I have to say, is it really going to happen? Um, the if is always going to be there, and we have to wait and see. All right. I, by the way, uh, we also saw what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest said about those Border Patrol officers on horseback. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. Human beings should not be treated that way. And as we all know, it also evoked images of some of the worst moments of our history, where that kind of behavior has been used against the indigenous people of our country, has been used against African-Americans during times of slavery. That is unacceptable. That is not what our policies and our training require. Brandon, judge just how wrong were each of those people? Those are three of the most powerful people in the entire world, and yet they jumped to conclusions. They did not even allow an investigation to go forward to find out the facts, to find out if, if in fact, there was any wrongdoing. They are flat-out wrong. This does not harken back to slavery age. This is a law enforcement tactic. This is what is used in order to control a very dangerous situation. We have to remember that these horse patrol agents, they had nearly 14,000 people at their backs. They had several hundred people that were trying to cross the border illegally, and they were caught in the middle of those two very large groups. This was a very volatile situation. It could have exploded at any moment, and that's why there were so many DPS officers at the scene at the time. So to have three of the most powerful people in the world already jump to conclusions, jump, jump to judgments, there is no way that we can possibly expect that there is going to be a fair and impartial investigation. These investigators are part of the executive branch. Their jobs are dependent upon whether or not they please this administration. There is no way we can expect that a fair and impartial investigation is going to come of this because of the words of the president himself. So the Department of Homeland Security actually said we're not going to investigate a little discreet mention of this. We're not investigating, and I guess the Office of uh, Professional Responsibility, I think there's an article about this that we can put up on the screen. They said that they'll have to handle it. What's the distinction, if you don't mind? There is no distinction. OPR, or the Office of Professional Responsibility, is in office within DHS. DHS controls that office, just like DHS controls the Border Patrol. It controls ICE. It controls um, um, OFO and CBP. It yeah. controls all of those entities. What? OPR is an entity within CBP. CBP is an entity within DHS. So DHS completely and totally controls this investigation. And for them to say that they're not going to do the investigation is misleading. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go as far as saying it's just flat out a lie. So, all right, this is great to know. So there were some people who interpreted it like, look, these guys, they haven't been totally exonerated, but the penalty will have to be less. It's more like docking vacation days or something like that. No, they're just as vulnerable as they were at the start. By the way, just to be clear here, 
I don't think they did anything wrong. I've studied that tape. There's, there's no abuse of any kind happening. But the fact that the Department of Homeland Security, the, uh, the inspector general declined to investigate, that, that's not in any way a victory for these guys? It, it is a victory that that the uh, the IG, the inspector general, they investigate criminal actions. So the IG has already determined that they did nothing criminally. OPR, they investigate administrative actions. So what they can do, the, the most that they can do is fire these agents for their their actions unless the agents lie to them under under oath. If they lie to them under oath, then they can take criminal action. But OPR, what they do is they investigate administrative violations. So they're looking at the from a policy end. They're looking to see, did these, did these agents follow their training? Did they follow the policies? Were they sent out there to do a specific job? That's what OPR is going to look at. But again, you have to go back to what the president said. The president promised that there's going to be consequences. How can any OPR investigator possibly exonerate these agents fully when the president has already made that declaration? Finally, can you tell me a little bit about Morale. Morale sometimes means different things to different people, but the morale of uh, uh, the Border Patrol now compared to the Border Patrol morale, say, <laughs> the four previous years. Well, I, I've been a Border Patrol agent for 24 years. I have never seen the morale so low. Um, it just, you, you can't expect agents to be able to go out there and do a job when you know that the administration does not support the mission that we're going out there and try to do. And, and let's be honest, law enforcement throughout the nation, it doesn't matter whether you're a Border Patrol agent or police officer, a DEA agent, we put on uniforms because we care about the American public. We want to go out there and we want to protect them. We just don't see, um, from, from a National Border Patrol Council standpoint, we just don't see that this administration is in fact um, trying to protect the American public. You can see it with the COVID. We had 52,000 people in the month of October that were, that were able to, I'm sorry, in the month of December, November, that were able to evade apprehension. These people, we don't know what diseases they're bringing in, yet we're going to put travel bans and completely ignore what's happening on the Southwest border. You can't tell me that the Omicron um, variant is not coming in through those people that are getting away on our Southwest border, yet the administration is doing nothing to stem that flow. It's pretty wild. It is pretty wild. Well, listen, Brandon Judd, we thank you once again. Our best to all your guys and, and women on the force. To be continued, sir, Brandon Judd, National Border Patrol Council President. Thanks. It's good to speak with you. Thank you. Be right back. Information. Truth is freedom, is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Saw something wild on the way to work. Uh, I take a cab some days and went by the United Nations and I saw a scene, so I took out my phone and I took this video. Um, we had the cops pointing their guns, understandably so, at this guy with the red shirt and the tan jacket He's pointing a gun at his own head, pacing in front of the United Nations. And they were negotiating with him, saying, put down the gun. There are better ways to get your message out, whatever his message was. So I'm in the cab. It's slowly going by, but I'm taking these, uh, these pictures. Cops did a great job. It was not resolved. I'm crossing First Avenue, and uh, I had to go. 
Uh, the cops actually encourage us to leave. Um, but I'm told, I heard that the guy put the gun down and everything's, uh, everything's okay. So I hope he gets help. The cops did a great job. Um, thanks for watching and stand by for Stinchfield. See you tomorrow.